Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Feeling better today, so hopefully the energy in that is, is back to what you're expecting. Joined today in a crossover episode by Locked On Red Sox as we continue to deep dive and get you all set for the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday remaining games in this Red Sox Blue Jays series. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Craig Ballard. I am Locked On Blue Jays, and I'm thankful that you're choosing to spend part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. Quick reminder that first pitch of tonight's Blue Jays Red Sox tilt at Fenway Park is 7.10 p.m. Eastern. As always, you can catch the game on Sirius XM. Want to say hello to Pablo Mendoza, new subscriber uh, on the YouTube channel. Welcome, Pablo. Certainly appreciate you you being along for the ride. Uh, people like uh, Dulcimerist, Dub Nugs, and Jason Chung. See you guys making a lot of comments as well. Really thank you for that. Really appreciate that. And, and great comments as well. Keep those coming. Uh, Steven Sanquist. Wanted to shout out Steven Sanquist. He's new to the Locked On Blue Jays. Now, he's a Locked On Orioles fan, but he chimed in on Monday's episode to say that he really liked the episode anyway, despite how sick I was. So, Steven, I was really so I'm still not feeling great, Steven. So, I really appreciate you reaching out and saying that. First segment today. Now, we're going to be joined later in the episode by Locked On Red Sox to really continue to deep dive this Blue Jays Red Sox series. But for the first segment, I thought I did want to put a bow on, you know, finalize the homestand that we just saw that concluded on Sunday. Normally, I would have rather have done that on the Monday's episode, yes. But if you saw Monday's episode, you know, it was even, I was even looking sicker than than I am, you know, today, right? So it's a small miracle that that any content <laughs> was put out on Monday. So hopefully you, you, you enjoyed that show. But yeah, let, let's take a look at the, in particular, the offense. There was a lot to like about the, the pitching that, the end of the Sunday's game, you know, notwithstanding from the bullpen, but there was a lot to like from the starters and the relievers in the homestand. How about the offense? A lot to like with the offense. Boy, oh boy, I don't know. This Toronto Blue Jay uh, offense has been perennially a top five offense, to be honest with you, top three or four offense for several years now, middle of the pack in the categories this season. In the homestand, let's start at the top of the lineup there. Now, George Springer and you everydayers will remember that we, we said uh, coming into this homestand that George Springer is scuffling, yes, but the homestand is going to be the cure for what ails him. There was a lot of pitchers he faced in this homestand, in that homestand, sorry, that, that he'd done well against in the past, and he was swinging a bit of a good bat, not having a lot of luck, right? Well, the not having a lot of luck, that part certainly continued in this homestand, but overall 7 for 21, and he had a pair of three-hit games in there. If... If the ball bounced the way it should have, <laughs> to be honest, he was probably looking more like a, like a 10 or 11 for 21. So George Springer, feel like he had a good homestand. I feel like he is back with the bat. Bo Bichette, 7 for 28 for Bo Bichette. That's a 250 batting average. I mean, now, now he had two home runs, and that one on Sunday was majestic and glorious. Now, it was a six-game homestand, so let's acknowledge he scored five RBIs. In a six-game homestand, I mean, those are big numbers. And two home runs along the way as well, those are big numbers. It's just the 7-for-28 that's got me thrown here. I mean, Bo Bichette led the league in hits two seasons ago. He led the league in hits last season and, you know, hitting machine again this season. So to only have seven hits and 28 at-bats, hmm, only a two fifty average, not really Bo-like. But again, a lot of the other things were, were really good from Bo. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., were we happy with the homestand Slim Daddy Vladdy had? Five for 28, three doubles. I mean, the three doubles is going to work over six games, sure. But five for 28 without a home run for Vlad at home. 
over the homestand. Not sure. I'm not sure that we're happy about that. In fact, I don't think we are happy about that. Matt Chapman. Oh, boy. 2023 Matt Chapman has been a joy. Wow. I hope he's not dictionary definition of a contract year, right? Like, I hope this really is who Matt Chapman is going forward, especially if he's going to be a Blue Jay, you know, long-term going forward. But he's been outstanding in 2023, and this homestand was no exception. Nine for 25. Five of those nine hits were doubles. That contribute, contributes to his league lead of 15 doubles. Matty Chapman, I mean, stand up and take a bow. You are having a 2023 to remember. Keep that going. Alejandro Kirk. How about our guy Alejandro Kirk? This was a tale uh, of two series. Remember, the homestand was the Chicago series and then the Seattle series. Well, in that Chicago series, Alejandro Kirk did not have a hit. 0 for 8 in that Chicago series. My goodness. But then Seattle came to town, and Kirk had been swinging the bat better, right? We, we thought it would be a good homestand for him. Well, that Seattle series, things did turn around for Alejandro Kirk. He, or, or not, to, I should say, he did get back to swinging the good bat. Five for nine in that Seattle series. And remember, he had that impressive home run in that Seattle series. It was an important home run as well. How about the other catcher, Danny Jansen? Danny Jansen played, uh, didn't play in the Monday game, played in the Tuesday game versus the Shy Sox and hit a pair of home runs. Yes, please. How about that? Yes, please. But <laughs> after that, he had 13 at-bats and just one hit for the rest of the homestand. Now, that's the offensive side, and that's really what we're focused on here. But have to mention have to mention the job that Danny Jansen did calling the games in this homestand. The Blue Jays, the, remember, six-game homestand, right? The Jays, three of those games, the Jays tossed a shutout, and Danny Jansen was the one behind the plate for all three of those games. Shout out to Danny Jansen to the job he did calling games and, and defensively in this series. Oh, boy. If we were doing if we were doing this as a good and a bad and the ugly, we, we, we'd be in the ugly right now because I, I really wanted to deep dive and take a look with you with at the – the lefties, right? The Blue Jays brought in three lefties in the offseason to try to balance this lineup, try to provide that flexibility and that depth and that balance. Dalton Varshow, Kevin Kiermaier, Brandon Belt. Dalton Varshow, yes, Dalton Varshow had that game-winning hit in, in the one nothing Saturday game. Thank goodness for that, yes. Overall, on the homestand, two for 25. Two for 25. Are you absolutely kidding me? To state the obvious, completely unacceptable. Speaking of completely unacceptable, on the season at home, Dalton Varshow in front of the home crowd, five for 39. All five have been singles. I mean, U-G-L-Y, man. Wow, wow, wow. Kevin Kiermeyer, just two for 15 on the homestand, and now just six for 31 at Rogers Center. Brandon Belt, speaking of Kevin Kiermaier's two for 15, Brandon Belt, two for 15 on the homestand, now just six for 23 at Rogers Center. So these new lefties all told in this homestand, six for 55, a 109 batting average from these new lefties. On the season at Rogers Center, 17 for 93, a 182 average for these new lefties. Holy moly and you remember kevin kiermeyer homered against matt manning in the home opener remember that amongst these three new lefties that's the only time any of them have gone deep at the homer happy fences moved in roger center so far want to take a moment here to talk to you about the game time app remember the other day at the end of the video i made a little bonus video to show you how i got the the jansen and romano uh, bobblehead doll by using the game time app and, and how happy i was how, how user-friendly it was well I mean, buying tickets to your favorite events, it shouldn't be stressful. 
So Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. Flash deals on last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for any item in your area. An image of the seat view, plus my favorite, the lowest price guarantee. The, the, the game time lowest price guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Sounds like, a, sounds like I can't lose to me. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You get the images of the seats before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You buy the tickets in a matter of seconds. It's two taps, and you're all set. Yeah, I've done it. I'm, yeah, two taps, and you're all set. And the tickets are sent directly to your phone. That's one of the biggest things I appreciated. I mean, you, I, I even mentioned in that bonus video I made for Game Time the other day, I'm, I'm never, you're never going to have the thought of, hey, something technical is going on here. You know what? I'll ask Craig Ballard. No, that's never going to be my strength. So the, the fact of how easy the game time app is to use and how easy it was to present the tickets at the Rogers Center, very big deal for me. I'm very thankful. It was a great experience. I will absolutely be using the app again. Uh, I'm thinking the next time I'm going to use it is, is when the Jays are back home. Probably that Monday game against the Yankees. Already looking forward to that. Now, another one of our new sponsors here, So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Now, unlike fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their, their fantasy experience. You collect, you buy, you sell, and you compete with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. And win or lose, you still own your cards, so that, and, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competition and rewards. So Rare MLB games happen twice weekly and span three to four-day cycle. It's Monday to Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the second cycle there. At the end of the game week, So Rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include So Rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Whoa, holy moly. I mean, prices may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays, joined by Jake Iggy, Locked On Red Sox. Crossover episode, these are always enjoyable to do. Gives each fan base a glimpse of what to look for and what to expect from their opponents in that upcoming series. And for a lot of these crossover episodes, it's, it's almost want to say a one and done because, you you know, it's 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 a team that you're playing that three game series, maybe that mm -hmm. four game series. And then you see them maybe again or you'll see them you know way later in the second half. This is Blue Jays Red Sox. This is different. This is AL East rivals. And, and dare I say, and I think Jake's going to touch on this, dare I say um, a, a, an actual real rivalry brewing between these two teams. But, uh, but Jake, first and foremost, uh, I want to say hello to you. I want, want to thank you for the for the work you're doing on Locked on Red Sox. Anyone out there growing the game of baseball, hey, two thumbs up for me, right? And I certainly want to thank you for taking the time to, to join me today. Let's just start real quick, Jake, with how's everything on your end? I, th I think when you really look at uh, the Red Sox in their April so far, uh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, a lot of injuries, a lot of inconsistency, 
But going into the season, you know, the Red Sox will slide into, you know, that fourth place sort of spot in the AL East. Right now, they're tied with the Yankees. Definitely didn't expect that. Luckily, when you look on the standings on MLB.com or wherever you look, the Red Sox are above the Yankees. Yeah, that makes it. me love as a Red Sox fan <laughs> happier it. than if they were below <laughs> them. So, you know, even though they have tied for the same exact record, like the Red Sox are essentially not in last place. The Yankees are, however you want to look at it. Uh, but I think, you know, going into, you know, this month of May, uh, the Sox are getting a lot of guys uh, who were on injury coming back. You know, the, rota- the rotation is a little bit of a musical chairs game right now. There's there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, but I think especially with how the schedule is this season, I-, I think it favors the Red Sox in terms of not playing the AL East teams as often because we saw last year they struggled so much being able to tack on the W's against some of the AL East teams. Yeah, now that, that's the one thing. You, you talk about a, a Yankees-Blue Jays rivalry. Well, not when it comes to hatred of the New York Yankees. That's the old, yeah. uh, that, that, that handshake emoji, right? There's Yankees and or Red Sox and Blue Jay fans with the handshake. Yep. And you're right, Jake. Hey, score one for for uh, for alphabetical order, right? Because yeah. yeah, it's glorious to look and see the Yankees in last place right now. It's glorious to see that. So way to start us off on, on a bang there, Jake. I, 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 I like that. I love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, Jake, let's get into, we're going to get into the series specifics in a moment here, but I always like to start with sort of big picture wise. Again, let mm-hmm. each fan base know what's the other fan base, you know, what kind of team is coming into town here or, or is right. my team about to take on? When I think of the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays, I truly, truly believe, and, and I, this isn't just me, Jake, with my with my Blue Jay fan hat on. I truly believe they're one of a small amount of teams. A lot of teams have playoffs aspirations. I think the Blue Jays are one of the small amount of teams who have very legitimate World Series or bust aspirations. I, I would think yeah. anything short of even making it to the World Series this season would 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 be would be falling well short. Would not be a great season for the Toronto Blue Jays. On your end, Jake, because all due respect to you and your, and, and your Red Sox, I can't imagine that that's the same in 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 Red Sox. I can't imagine World Series or bust in 2023 is on your radar, Jake. But what does a successful 2023 look like for you for the Boston Red Sox? So I wanted to touch on real quick with like the, what you said about the Blue Jays. I completely agree. Uh, you know, the the young core that they have and their ability to be able to build a, a very sustainable rotation thus far. You know, we're going to get more into it. Barrios, not, obviously not giving you what you expected him to after getting traded over from Minnesota a few years ago, and especially the amount of money that they gave him. But I think especially from what we've seen from a lot of the prospects coming up, obviously, you know, Vladdy, Bichette, uh, you know, the rest of the core that the team has. I, I think they're one of the most scary offensive teams that there is in the league. And especially as they continue to get more developed and uh, more comfortable in the league, a lot of people forget, isn't Vladdy only like 23 right now? Like it's it's kind of crazy how young he actually <laughs> is and how he's just kind of getting started. Uh, but, you know, touching on uh, what would be a successful season in my eyes uh, for the Boston Red Sox, it, it's, a, it's a landscape of bright future what are these different pieces going to give to you and what guys are you going to keep to essentially be the core of this next Red Sox World Series team you know last year uh, going into the 2023 offseason there was so many question marks there was so many free agents and now it's sort of a point where now let's give the prospects like Tristan Cassis, Brian Bayo, uh, Jaron Duran an opportunity to show that they can have a spot on this future roster of the Boston Red Sox. And you're already starting to see it in the rotation. Tanner Houck getting more of an opportunity in that spot. Garrett Whitlock as well. And then 
you know, you, you also see what you have in Chris Sale coming back, only, only making 12 Ooh. starts over the last three seasons or so. So I, I think, you know, even though a lot of Red Sox fans don't want to classify this season as a bridge year, it is. It's the reality of the situation. If if you know the team is 500, you know, that that is better than a losing record in my mind. I see this team, you know, winning a max 85 games. If they win 90, that's a successful wow. season. If they figure out a way to sneak into the wild card, that's that's a successful season. Um, but, you know, at this point, you know, after one month, uh, it's sort of what you expected uh, out of the Boston Red Sox thus far. Jake, I do want to get into uh, the, the pit, today's pitching matchup. You mentioned how he's up against you. Say, we'll, we'll get into today's specific pitching matchup in a moment here. But you, you brought up something. You brought up Tristan Casas. Now, somebody you know, Jake, is sitting, even, even as a Blue Jay fan, is sitting patiently waiting because somebody you know has him as their first baseman on their fantasy team. Oh, so wow. somebody you know, Jake, is sitting here extremely underwhelmed so far. I thought having this guy, that swing, that bat at, at mm -hmm. Fenway and, and the road ballparks in the AL yep. East, I thought this was going to be a press to print your own money, Jake. I thought this guy was a superstar walking in the door. Now, he just walked in the door, right? He just mm -hmm. I, I do get it, but there's no way you can be happy with what you've seen so far, Jake. What, what is going on with Tristan Casas, and, and what do you see from him going forward? That was bold for you to make him your first baseman, if I'm being honest with you, because uh, – <laughs> I mean, I, I I expected him to sort of sort of struggle to start off. I, I believe his average uh, in his small stint last season was around two thirty, and uh, you know he he is an on base first type of hitter. You know he he's very patient at the plate. You know he's not you know your general first baseman who goes up there is, is going to hit a low average and hit forty bombs. You know he's going to give you around twenty five to twenty bombs, and you know he'll, he'll probably hit you know. 270 300 at his best and uh, mm. obviously he's not showing that right now and I think it sort of just goes to uh what what most rookies struggle with getting into the league understanding you know major league competition type of pitching uh and being able to get comfortable uh in 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 this new sort of role of, of being a major league professional baseball player you're not in AAA anymore you're not in Portland or Worcester anymore and you know from everything that I've seen from Tristan Cassis, I had the opportunity to speak with him twice last year. He's the most confident prospect I've ever seen. Oh. Uh, and, you know, Ian Brown said he's the most uh, confident Red Sox prospect that he's seen come up through the system since Dustin Bedroya. And that's telling you something. And so, you know, the confidence is definitely there. The ability to be himself, the mental aspect, which a lot of guys have to overcome. A guy like Jaron Duran really had to overcome when he first came up for the Red Very Sox. Cool. Yep. And so I think with Cassis, uh, it, it's just a waiting game for him just to get into a groove. You know, our, we're already starting to see it with Christian Arroyo thus far, really struggled to begin the season with, for the Red Sox. Now he's hitting over 500 over the last seven or eight games. So guys just need to get into a groove. And I think, um, you know, this isn't super uncharacteristic for a rookie like Cassis, yeah. but you definitely expected more. Well, Jake, I mean, if, if I could ask a personal favor, because I wouldn't mind the groove, right? I need him. To, but if that groove could could happen as a Friday, that would be appreciated. Yeah. Okay. Craig Ballard to Locked On Blue Jays here with Jake Iggy from Locked On Red Sox. Tonight's matchup, you say Kikuchi, Tanner Houck. You say 4-0 for the Blue Jays. ERA sitting right at three. The Jays have won all five of his starts. His fastball continues to be a little bit hit or miss. I, I would say that the fastball continues to be a bit of an issue. He's throwing a, a different uh, off-speed pitch this season. Kevin Gosman characterized it as a curve slider-ish pitch. Mm -hmm. So even a veteran like Kevin Gosman can't really pinpoint what it is. That's the sort of movement it has. It's doing well for him. 
you say has always been a guy that's going to get a strikeout you know, per inning pitch in his career. He, he's always been a strikeout guy. But this season, the walks are way down. And what's the, the home runs are still there, Jake. But the thing is, with you say what we've seen in the past, it's always a two or a three run home run. So it's always a crooked number in on one pitch going on the board for the opposition. This season, Kikuchi has been excellent at limiting the damage. Most of the home runs have been solo home runs. And when you look at him in, against this specific Red Sox lineup, so some notable Red Sox hitters, Justin Turner, 0 for 5 career versus Kikuchi. Arroyo, you mentioned Arroyo, 0 for 5 against Kikuchi. You mentioned Devers earlier, 0 for 7 against Kikuchi. So that's 0 for 17 with eight strikeouts for those three prominent Red Sox hitters. Now, Alex Verdugo, worth mentioning. I know he's a four-letter word around my parts in Blue Jay land. I know, I know, there's a rabbit, I know. But he's hit Kikuchi very well. And the Boston Red Sox, are one of, if not the best, at least one of the best teams so far this season against lefties. Your Red Sox have faced a lefty 11 times so far this season. You've won seven of those games. I mean, that's going to work. We'll get to the Tanner Houck aspect in a moment here, but what are you looking for out of Kikuchi uh, tonight, Jake? Who's a Red Sox batter that you're saying, Craig, I hear you, and Kikuchi's been better than before. I get it. But here's the guy to be careful with tonight in the Red Sox lineup against Kikuchi. So I, I, when I, when I, you know, see and hear what, what you're saying with Kikuchi so far this season, it's, it's intriguing because I think what I've seen from him when he was with Seattle, you know, during his, you know, first season with the Blue Jays sort of reminds me of a guy like Nick Pavetta, who, you know, he's going to go out there and probably let up like two to two to three runs every start or he'll shove. And, you know, it's, it's sort of on or off a little bit of some inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I feel like, with Kikuchi, at least looking at, at it last year, you knew what you had with him each and every single start. Like it wasn't going to surprise you out of nowhere if you know he allowed two or three runs. Same with Nick Pavetta as well. Obviously, we'll get to him uh, in the next game. But in in terms of what you said about what hitters to look out for, Alex Verdugo. You know he he's been on a roll so far this season. Uh, you know he has continuously found ways to come up clutch. Uh, has has the most uh, you know walk offs. Uh, for the Red Sox over the last four years or so, already has two wow. so far this season. Uh, and you know, as you said, you know, there's there's already a rivalry brewing between Verdugo <laughs> and the Blue Jays, and I, I think he fuels off of that. And uh, you know, I, I think he's going to use it to his advantage throughout this throughout the series. Hey, correct me here, Nick. I, I know he's he's definitely been your best hitter, Verdugo. No no doubt about that. I mean, you, you cannot like a player, right, Nick? But there's a, guys, people like us. I mean, we we still pride ourselves on calling it the way we see it, right? right. I don't like Alex Verdugo, but what's been in front of me in my face? He's having a very good season. I think he's your only hitter north of three hundred. Am I right about that, Nick? I believe so. Yeah. So yeah, no, he's off to a very good, very good start. Yes. Back with more from our crossover episode with Locked On Red Sox in just a moment as we're about to deep dive the Boston Red Sox starting pitcher for tonight, Tanner Houck. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. How much time do you spend on yourself in a given week versus how much time on other people and how do you balance the two? It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when you spend all your time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you tools to find the balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself and isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. Yes, Tanner Houck is a guy that I really like. You probably don't know anyone, Jake, in a different fan base that is as as big a fan of Tanner Houck as I. I think he's awesome. Really? I don't understand. Every single game I feel like I watch, I feel like he's awesome. And all of a sudden, in the fourth or the fifth inning, he's out of the – I don't know why he never has – the Red Sox never give him any sort of longevity. I mean, I'm sure they know what they're doing with that. But but three and one on the season. Now, when I look at the surface, his ERA is four and a half. That does not seem Tanner, – Tanner Houck, to me, seems like a walking threes ERA. Like his ERA should be in the threes, period. So I'm very surprised to see that. Last time out against Baltimore uh, was a decent start, I guess, but have to say it was his worst start of the season and the only start of the season that the Red Sox lost. Uh, George Springer is is a matchup that, that I'm really looking at in this game as, or sorry, um, Hauk has owned George Springer. Now, Bo and Vlad ha- have hit him well. This is his fifth game versus the Blue Jays. And what I find interesting, and, and maybe part of why I like this guy so much, Jake, is he's never given up a home run to the Blue Jays. And this season, I don't even think he's given up a home run to righties. I'm a big fan of this guy. I like his mix. Uh, I, I like his his uh, his pitch mix. Uh, I, I, I'm i a big fan of his. I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned, Jake. And a lot of Blue Jay fans will be sitting there saying, Craig, 4.5 ERA, our, our batters mash at, at Fenway Park. Hey, no need to be concerned. But I'll tell you, I am. What are you looking for tonight in Tanner Houck? So I, I, th- I think your listeners might laugh at this a little bit. You're you're a little bit more positive about him than I am. <laughs> you know, f- funny enough, I actually said at the beginning of the season, uh, he's not a starting pitcher. In my mind, oh. he hasn't been able to give you the amount of innings to show that he is a viable and, and productive starting pitcher. A lot of the times when he gets the second time around the order, guys start to mash off of him guys start to you know read what he's you know thrown to them in in the upper bat before and so when you really look at it uh you know going into the season led led you know spring training is obviously spring training but he led the majors in home runs allowed in spring training he allowed uh i believe over 20 earned runs uh in in four starts during spring training and so in my mind you know those those stats speak for itself obviously once you get across you know the 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 white lines into regular season play it's a whole different ball game and and he's been the best starter in the rotation for the Red Sox thus far uh in the regular season and you know i i gave him his flowers last week after you know he 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 gave the Red Sox consistent uh you know quality starts and 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 looked a lot better than he you know at least did last year as a starter but you know he's a guy who I, I see him a lot more effective out of the bullpen when he was, you know, a multi-inning reliever last year, as well as a closer. He was locked down. And, you know, the one thing that I don't like that the Red Sox have done specifically with Hauk is putting him back and forth and, you know, mm. just filling him in, uh, you know, when they do need rotation help, like they did at the beginning of this season. But when you think about it to last season, he got kicked out of the rotation after he couldn't travel to Toronto due, due to vaccine issues. And that's when, Garrett Whitlock got his opportunity in the rotation and how he was put it into the bullpen. And uh, I, I think when you look at him this season ag- against the Blue Jays, you know, he's coming off of that rough start. But, you know, you semi like know what you're going to get from him as well. He's similar to Kikuchi where, you know, he'll probably allow one to three runs each and every single start. And, you know, he, he's going to give you, uh, you know, consistent control and he's also going to get ground ball outs you know that's one thing that he's you know done a lot better this season compared to last season uh in doing and you know his last start against the blue jays 
five innings pitched, allowed two earned runs, three strikeouts at the beginning of last season. So uh, I'm excited to see what he brings you. uh, But I think that this is going to be a very close game uh, for game two. And, you know, one thing that I haven't mentioned yet, the Red Sox and Blue Jays are tied right now in seventh in the MLB with 109 weighted runs created plus. So this is going to be a very offensive type of series. Yeah, absolutely. This is why I love these episodes. So first of all, you talk about the offensive series. I, I touched on that a lot in the Monday episode. I mean, there is a laundry list of Toronto Blue Jays who bang at Fenway Park. I know you're sitting there saying, Jake, hey, join, join the list. A lot of people bang at Fenway. I, I know, I know. But the, but, but the Blue Jays are certainly amongst them. And and I say, this is why I say I love doing these crossover episodes. I tell you, I'm, I'm a Tanner Houck believer and a fan and i'm always sitting there saying why don't the red sox give him more of a rope then we get an expert like you on saying well greg hey that's not on the red sox that's actually on tanner hauk the second and third time through he's actually been a nightmare so great insight there nick one other thing that i want to mention too is what's the first thing that i said to you right when we got on i said i saw the encarnacion jersey behind you and i said he mashed at fenway park he would at least hit two to three home runs every single time he went there he, the, the, the parrot was always in, in his travel ensemble uh, when he when he came to Fenway. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I didn't know that that's why he did that. I always do remember him going like that when he was right around. That's funny. That's a wrap for Tuesday's episode. Remember to catch tonight's Blue Jays-Red Sox game on Sirius XM. And check back in tomorrow as we'll be joined again by Locked on Red Sox as we're going to deep dive Alec Manoa Day. He's starting against the Red Sox tomorrow. And we're going to look at this Alec Manoa versus Alex Verdugo brewing drama Now, for now, keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network and checked out Locked On MLB.